Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we're continuing on in James, and our topic today is religion that is acceptable to God. Our speaker is Pat Morley, author and founder of Man in the Mirror. I've made it to the consumer level with the introduction of uh, ChatGPT at uh, AI. Uh, AI, uh, AI, OpenAI.com, and so the this I put into um, Chat GPT. What is the difference between being spiritual and being religious? Here's the answer. This is AI. Okay, this is artificial intelligence, and this is the company that was started in 2015 by uh, Amazon Web Services and Elon Musk, among others. And then Microsoft has now put another billion dollars into it. Here's their answer. And it's, as I understand, it's not connected to the internet. So that's interesting too. But here's the answer. Being spiritually, being spiritual generally refers to a sense of connection to something bigger than oneself. And it often involves a search for meaning or purpose in life. This can include practices such as meditation, prayer, journaling, but it does not necessarily involve adhering to a specific set of beliefs or belonging to an organized religion. That's spirituality. This is AI. Being religious, on the other hand, typically involves adhering to a specific set of beliefs and practices. And by the way, you, if you were to look up religion in like a dictionary, it would refer to beliefs, a set of beliefs and a set of practices. So this is consistent with that. Typically involves adhering to a specific set of beliefs and practices associated with a particular faith tradition. This often includes participating in organized worship, following certain codes of conduct, and believing in specific doctrines or teachings. Not bad, huh? For artificial intelligence. In short, it says, spirituality is often considered a personal and individual pursuit, while religion is more often communal and involves shared beliefs and practices. I guess all you really need was that last little summary, right? So, why do people say, uh, I am spiritual, but not religious. And from chatopenai.com, this is is that summary. In short, spirituality is often considered a personal and individual pursuit, while religion is often more communal and involves shared uh, beliefs and practices. So our text for today is James 1.27, uh, last week, uh, we, we we were talking about speech. This week, we're talking about religion. And uh, the text, James writes, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So let's ask the question, why do people want to distance, distance themselves from religion? Why do people want to 
distance themselves from uh, religion or organized religion. What is the problem they're trying to solve? Because it's, obviously, it's not that they're trying to distance themselves from God. That's not what people are trying to do. What, are they, what, what is the problem that they're trying to solve when they say that I'm spiritual but not religious? Well, we see in the text from James that there is a religion that God, our Father, accepts, and it's pure and faultless. And so there is a kind of religion that is not pure and faultless. It is contaminated, it is polluted, and it is faulty. And we see an example of this by Jesus given in Matthew 15. Some Pharisees and teachers came to him and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, yeah, but, you know, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Uh, for God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who christens their father and mother is put to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother uh, with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So if we thought, think about religion then and we think about religion now, we see that in, in uh, uh, many cases today, uh, religion is contaminated. It, it's, it is, it's not pure. Uh, it's not faultless. There are uh, places where you can go in organized religion that will cram certain beliefs down your throat, uh, demand obedience without the ability to ask questions, uh, performance-oriented, conformity-oriented places, uh, or a church that has a small group of people that's deciding which direction the church is going to go in, you either get on board or, or, or somehow you're less than 100% you know, committed to God if you're not doing what we think needs to be done. Or, uh, or there are certain practices that are man-made traditions which are useful and helpful, but you're led to, led to the conclusion that if you don't believe the way we believe and obey and follow the rules that we have, then somehow that your faith is called into question. Some of you probably had this happen. Most, most people that I've met over the years, at some point along the way, have some church hurts. And some people have actually even been, and I think the vast majority of churches are not like this, but there are some churches that actually have uh, a, a, a abusive behavior. I mean, like technically are abusive. There was a whole movement called the shepherding movement a long, long time ago now where people were appointed to be like a, like a spiritual director, like in the Catholic church, but in the, this is a Protestant thing, like a spiritual director, but it was really a spiritual boss. And uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't make decisions without the approval of this layperson who's not really a trained professional and I'm, leadership, coaching, counseling, everything else, but just another layman who basically became your boss and told you what to do. It was very, it was a horrible thing. And there are all these abuses that take place from time to, 
I was studying the Crusades this week. I was been interested in the Crusades because um, well, a few years ago, a guy was ranting about the Crusades. I told you a story a long time ago about that. But anyway, I've been thinking about it ever since. And so I decided finally this week to, to research the Crusades. So there were eight Crusades over a period of a you know, couple hundred years or something like that. <clears throat> and basically what it was is that the Holy Land had been conquered by the Muslims and the Christians wanted it back. And so there were these wars. Guess how many people died and have died in the Ukrainian war so far? Uh, estimates are about 13,000 Ukrainian soldiers and about 100,000 Russian soldiers. 13,000 Ukrainians, 100,000 Russians estimated. The total deaths over 200 years of the Crusades, 12,000. So, you know, People make it, you know, you people without thinking about it, make it sound like the Crusades like this horrible thing, you know, millions of people died. About 12,000 people died. So yeah, it was terrible and horrible and all of that. And people use the Crusades, the fact that at, at the time and that culture, people thought that they were fighting a just war, but they used Crusades as a reason to reject organized religion. So there are all kinds of different reasons, right? The big idea here today is this. Is it enough to be spiritual but not religious? No, it isn't. It is not. It's, it's not enough to be relig uh, spiritual but not to be religious. <clears throat> when you look at the benefits of organized religion or religion, first of all, we see from Scripture that there is a kind of religion that's pure and flawless. But when you think about the benefits of religion, think about what would you do for your family? What would happen to your family if you didn't have religion, you wouldn't have a place to baptize infants. You wouldn't have a place to have children confirmed in their faith. You wouldn't have a place for weddings, for funerals. You wouldn't have a place of worship. You wouldn't have a place for moral and religious instruction. You wouldn't have fellowship dinners. You wouldn't have opportunities to do ministry and service in the church. Uh, you wouldn't uh, have uh, continuing on to the, the community. You, where would be the great universities, the great hospitals? Where, <clears throat> where would be the, the soup kitchens, the food banks, the coalitions for the homeless, the rescue missions, <clears throat> homes for unwed mothers, uh, ministries to the poor, overseas missions. Religion is, 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 is just such an, an incredibly important part of our life. And so when you hear someone say, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious, what they're really saying is that uh, it's, it's all about me. It's like Jesus said, uh, a new command I give you, mind your own business and keep to yourself. All men will know you by my disciples if you do whatever you want. The, 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 the foundational principle of uh, Christianity is loving God and loving other people. So, is there a better question we can ask? And the answer is yes. A better question is how can I practice a religion that is pure and faultless? And this text today gives us two ways. Uh, first is helping the helpless. James 1.27 again says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, this is sort of a placeholder. <clears throat> so, 
First of all, you would, you would interpret this literally to mean literally orphans and widows. But it's also in the nature of the text that it would be a metaphor for helping all kinds of helpless people, right? So in the story uh, that Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats, about all the different people coming to him, um, and in verse 35, after telling people that they are going to get their inheritance, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, thirsty, and something to drink. A stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. And people say, well, <laughs> Lord, when did we do any of that stuff? And what did he say? He said, well, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. That's helping the helpless. That's looking after uh, widows and orphans in their distress. So that's one example from Jesus. And then the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, you know, the, the expert of the law asks Jesus, what's the, you know, the great commandment or the most important thing he can do to inherit eternal life? And he gets answered, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then uh, this uh, leader wanted to justify himself. So he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And the answer that Jesus gives uh, is this story about this man who was uh, robbed and uh, left, you know, for dead. And uh, some religious people came by. And, and, you know, this is one of the reasons why people say, you know, well, I'm spiritual, but, but not religious, because they see things like this happening. They see us, some of us, ha ha have, have done this. Uh, you know, a priest happens to be going down the road. He saw the, the guy passed on the other side, and then a Levite did the same thing, passed on the other side. And then a Samaritan, though, somebody who is not of that particular faith, he was traveling along, and he saw him, and he took pity on him and paid for his, uh, uh, his expenses for him to be healed and to have a period of convalescence. And Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the, the expert of the law said, the, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's pure and faultless religion. One of our own <clears throat> tells a great story that one day he was on his way here to the Bible study and a woman had had a flat tire. She was in the, in, in the media and he basically actually had to drive, sort of drive around her to get to the Bible study on time, right? Well, about a mile down the road, he has a flat tire. So he pulls over to the side of the road. It's early, so nobody's in the little gas station where he pulled and uh, a homeless guy comes up on a bicycle and says, can I help you? And he said, well, you know, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that'd, be, that'd be good. And so this homeless guy on his bicycle helps him change his tire so he can go to the Bible study. And then he remembers the person that he just passed by himself. So he had, let's just say, a, a, a learning moment. <laughs> and so now he has a policy whenever he sees anyone in distress on the road, he stops. So he's practicing that kind of religion that is pure and follows how? By practicing the religion that was contaminated and faulty. 
And so uh, you've heard the story about the man who had good judgment. He was interviewed. He did really well. He's very successful. He was interviewed by a newspaper. And, and the reporter said, well, sir, you, you've done so well. You're so, so successful. You know, uh, obviously uh, you have good judgment. How did you get such good judgment? He said, bad judgment. So the big idea here is it's, it's not enough to be, uh, is it enough to be spiritual but not religious? No, no, it is not. In, in the words of the gospel and the words of the scripture and the words of Jesus, um, it's not enough just to be spiritual, to be uninvolved, to be somebody who uh, knows, has perfected their theology. Uh, a new command I give you that you perfect your theology. All men will know you are my disciples if you perfect your theology. Should you perfect your theology? Of course. But that's, that's not how people will know about Jesus Christ. They will know in our practice of religion. And uh, one way we do that is we, uh, we help the helpless. Brother Lawrence wrote this book, The Practice of the Presence of God, and... Uh, it's, it's just a little small uh, small piece. But it's one of those books that I just find I constantly keep going back to. And he writes, I tell you that this sweet and loving gaze of God insensibly kindles a divine fire in the soul which is set ablaze so ardently with the love of God, that one is obliged to perform exterior acts to moderate it. He's, in other words, he's just saying, I'm so on fire. <laughs> when I practice the presence of God, I just get so on fire on the inside that I can't keep it in. I have to do something. I have to do something to let it out in order to moderate this. In other words, it's almost like a hiker that's got too much clothing on and he's, and he's get, getting overheated and he's to take something off to moderate it. One thing um, in this area of helping the helpless is to also understand that there are systemic problems and they do need systemic solutions. In the social sciences, there's a wonderful story about a man who went down to a villager who went down to a river one day to fetch water. And as he bent over, he saw a, a drowning baby floating down the river. And aghast, he, he, re he rescued the baby. Well, the next day he went down to the river and uh, to get water and uh, was astonished there were two floating babies coming down the river. Uh, drowning. And so he, he rescued those two babies. Well, the next day he went down to the river and there were four drowning babies floating down the river. And the next day, eight, so he began to recruit the other villagers. Uh, and it, so every day, all of the villagers started going down to the river to rescue drowning babies, but nobody ever asked the question, why are the babies in the river? And so men's discipleship what we're doing here is helping the helpless. If you want to uh, take another look at that verse, you could say uh, religion that God our Father finds pure and faultless is this, to look after 
spiritual widows, and practical orphans in their distress. And so why do, why do women become widows? Why do children become orphans? It's because that men have not been discipled into the gospel. And so what we're doing is a systemic solution to a systemic problem. This is helping the helpless. Investing in each other to grow in our faith so that we can become men of God who understand what it means to be a godly husband and what it means to be a godly father. That's pure and faultless religion too. Don't lose, don't lose sight of that, okay? So is it enough to be spiritual but not religious? No, it's not. No, it's not. We need to be here. We need to be here learning how to be men who, for ourselves and for our uh, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and so forth, can help them also understand uh, what pure and faultless religion looks like. And then the other thing that's in this text is living a clean life. And... Obviously, there are more things to this than just what James is saying in this one passage, but these are the two things he's talking about here today. Religion, the God of Father, accepts the fear and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted uh, by the world. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I was, um, when I was actually looking at the Crusades history this week, I forget the website, I think it might have been like history.com or something like that, you know. And uh, so I'm reading down this article and and I'm scrolling down, reading, 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 reading. And suddenly, there in the middle of my screen are six women in braziers. Uh, did they call them braziers anymore? I don't think so. Bras, anyway, lingerie, whatever. Six, six bras. Six women, six bras. I say, what the heck? <laughs> and so... I kept scrolling down and reading more. And then and then another one that popped up. It was, it was the same six women and the same six bras. I said, how in the world are you supposed to get, get away from this? And you can't get away from this stuff. Uh, but you can't keep scrolling. But you can't, can't keep scrolling. So, Dwight L. Moody was the Billy Graham of the 19th century. So in the 1850s, 60s, he was involved in the businessmen's revival in Chicago. And uh, some of you know, he's my, one of my really favorite posthumous heroes. He, uh, he heard it said one day that the world has yet to see what God can do with and in, in and for and through and by the man who is fully and completely consecrated to him. And Moody said, he said, a man. He did not say a great man or a learned man or a rich man or a wise man or an eloquent man or a smart man. He just said a man. And it lies within the man himself whether or not he will make that full and complete consecration. 
I will do my utmost to be that man. And you can't do that if you just want to be spiritual. You have to be religious. To be religious means to be part of a community, not to be on your own. And so the big idea today, is it enough to be spiritual but not religious? No, it is not. You really need to be part of a community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, thank you for uh, James. Thank you for the, the wisdom that he gives us. Thank you that, that Jesus and uh, Peter and Paul are all in agreement with James uh, on the importance of religion, on the importance of helping the helpless and keeping oneself pure. And uh, so, Lord, uh, understanding that spirituality is, is important, but it's all really uh, finds its importance in the context of uh, religion, uh, organized religion, uh, and, uh, and then also this organic kind of religion that James is talking about here today. So pray that you would tutor this to our hearts. Many of us, Lord, have had bad experiences with religion, but let us be men who do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. As E. Stanley Jones said, Lord, uh, organized religion has many critics, but no rivals. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.